millions of professionals around the world work remotely from home offices, cafes, uh, co-worker spaces, and even lakeside cabins. Some crisscross the globe in clapped-out combi vans, stopping at exciting destinations to knock out their work along the way. Others like to stay in one spot, like my friend Laura, who runs a substantial operation from her designer couch in swanky New York City. Over the last 20 years, I've worked from dozens of different locations, and I swear to everything that's holy, I'll never go back to an office in the city, not even for triple the money. G'day, it's Peter, and welcome to Office Anywhere, a podcast about working and living on your terms, whether that's cutting code on the deck of a Balinese villa, crafting ad copy from a cafe in Portland, Oregon, or building websites from a home office in Melbourne, Australia. If you've had enough of the daily commute and the limitations that working in an office imposes, or you're already working remotely, but you want to explore some of the doors that it opens for you, then this is the podcast for you. To learn more about Office Anywhere, just go to officeanywhere.co. I often describe remote work as the gateway drug to freedom and happiness because it delivers so many benefits, none of which exist in a cubicle in the city. It's also the best way to segue into your own business because of the time it saves, no more commuting, and the flexibility that it offers around working hours. For some of you, though, it remains a dream, and that's probably because you're scared to ask your boss about it. I want to help you get past that fear with a simple plan of attack. By the end of this episode, and armed with the free download mentioned at the end, you'll be more confident and better equipped to convince your boss to let you work remotely. We're in the midst of a global paradigm shift where millions of jobs can now be done from anywhere in the world using a laptop and an internet connection. Collaboration, project tracking and production can all be managed online, effectively freeing many workers from their concrete towers. It's getting more common by the day too, but some of us still don't see it as mainstream. And that's the problem. Some of us fear the jump because like any cultural change, we want to see more evidence first. We want the shift to become the new default before we can feel safe to join in. The citizens of Manhattan did this with electricity. In fact, the Edison Electric Illuminating Company of New York was created in 1882, but most Americans lit their homes with gas lights and candles for another 50 years. In fact, more than 40 years later, only half of New York was lit by electricity. Most of us did the same thing in the 80s when the IBM PC was launched. Now, granted, it was stupidly expensive back then. Despite my fascination with computers, I didn't get my first one until 1995. Yet it still cost $6,500 back then and only had a 1.2 gigabyte hard drive. My phone's got 256. Speaking of phones, I railed against touchscreens for years after the iPhone was launched, clutching my beautiful Nokia E71 until the much more beautiful iPhone 4S finally won me over. Today, we all use light switches. Most of us have computers. And everyone's phone, except for my 77-year-old mum's, has a touchscreen. So we resist change even when it's good for us. But let's assume that you're already sold on the benefits of working remotely. Why are you scared to broach the topic? Well, let's run through a few of them. Often the first one I think that people struggle with is the assumption that your boss will assume that you're not dedicated. You think your boss will picture you slouched in front of the TV watching Netflix and eating ice cream. She'll think that you've lost interest in your work and want to slack off full-time instead of covertly at the office. Maybe she'll assume that you're working for the competition on the side. 
All right, chances are none of this is true. Not if you've proven yourself to be a productive and valued member of the team. If you're already flaking off at work, then that's a different story and you'll need to up your game before tackling this idea. No, pitching your boss to let you work remotely all comes down to five important elements, which we'll touch on in a minute. Another possible uh, obstacle might be this presumption that you'll be passed over for promotions. Now, first off, I've got to ask, is that what you value most? Really think about it just for a minute. And it may not even be true anyway. Some of today's most successful companies are run by an entirely distributed workforce, often globally. They have no corporate HQ, no offices, no water cooler in the hall. Secondly, I'd suggest you think about the ultimate motivation behind the outcomes that you seek. Is getting that VP or C-level title really what you want? Is it the money, the respect, the acknowledgement of a job well done? What if you could make even more money working remotely? What if you could see your children and your partner more? What if your stress levels plummeted and you enjoyed life more than you ever thought possible? If moving through the corporate machine still matters to you, then make it known when you begin this undertaking. You might have to choose one or the other. Another one is people won't take me seriously. Now, 30 years ago, the whole work from home thing had a folksy vibe to it. It smelled of stale bedclothes, hobby techs and toast. It was something craftspeople did. 20 years ago, it was something that the 0.03% of network marketing or multi-level marketing people who made money did. 10 years ago, it was eBayers, Amazon sellers and other laptop lifestyle proponents. Today, it's all the same people. My wife has run a successful eBay business from home for almost eight years, but now it's full of professionals too. People like you and me, techies, designers, creatives, consultants, advisors, team leaders, and business owners. Today, thanks to the internet and a growing catalogue of powerful apps, it's possible and increasingly common to run multi-million dollar businesses from a home office. I know people personally who own and run high six, seven, and eight-figure businesses from their homes. Likewise, each week sees thousands of professionals and executive-level employees run their teams from remote locations. So if you're worried that people won't take you seriously, you're worried about the wrong people. Another misnomer is that you won't make as much money if you work remotely. Now, not to throw cold water on this because, I mean, who doesn't love money, right? But as you know, money ain't everything. It solves a lot of problems where money works, but there are many parts of your life where money makes little difference, like work-life balance, autonomy, and time with those you care about. If you pursue a side hustle, you know, when you work from home, it's much easier to find the time to do that, well, you might actually make a lot more than you could in your job, and with none of the ass-kissing either. My aforementioned pal, Laura, earns up to 10000 bucks a day for her incredible copywriting chops. Okay, so let's look at the five elements of a good work-from-home pitch, how you would put together a pitch to present to your boss to request permission to work remotely. So we get to the meat here now. Your goal here is to gain trust, flexibility, and autonomy in your work, thus allowing you to work on your terms. And once you have that, things take on a fresh new luster, and you're able to start creating the life that you want. To pull it off, though, you'll need to tick a few boxes. Number one, you need to get clear on the objectives. Outline in writing why you want to do this and sprinkle everything with a good dusting of benefits to your employer. Here are some examples. Working for my home office delivers the following. Fewer distractions, which means more deep work, better bang for their buck. 
Number two, more available productive time, thanks to no commuting. Three, better mental health and lower stress levels. Four, lower costs. It frees up a cubicle, a desk, a car space, massage therapist, whatever your boss provides. Five, a more respectful relationship with the company, thanks to their trust in your output versus attendance. And six, a closer connection to your family, meaning a happier, more engaged employee. Okay, so that's the first thing, the the objectives. You've got to get clear on those. Second thing is to gather evidence to support your case. Now, if you're planning a holiday, chances are within two weeks you'll know more about the destination right down to the colour of the pool towels than 99.9% of your friends. Don't assume that your boss knows as much about remote work as you. Your job is to educate them, not with a lecture, but with evidence. Do your homework. Google case studies on businesses who switch to remote work arrangements. Send them to the Office Anywhere website if you like. Also, if you go to the blog post of this episode, which you'll find at officeanywhere.co slash 87, then you'll find some useful links in there about remote work. Also, highlight some of the key technologies that empower remote workers and mention tools that your company already uses that would help this. Okay, number three. So the first two we've looked at is getting clear on the objectives. Number two, gathering evidence to support your case. And now number three is give them the necessary assurances. Here's what employers care most about with their employees. They care about them being, number one, accountable, two, reachable, and three, productive. When you work remotely, you need to make sure you over-deliver on all three of these. Be utterly transparent with your work. Don't ever lie and don't exaggerate. Sometimes I work in my car or a local nature park or a cosy restaurant up in the mountains. If a colleague calls when I'm there, I tell them about it. Some of my best work has happened at a picnic table overlooking the Anion Reservoir, about half an hour's drive from my house. And my best ideas tend to come to me when I'm blasting up a mountain road with the roof peeled back, or in the shower at midday. Bottom line is, deliver on your promises and track progress in a place where your boss can keep tabs. Always be reachable, more so than your cubicle-bound colleagues, and deliver everything on time with a little something extra to sweeten the experience. Okay, so we get on to number four. Show them how you're going to work. List all the tools that you'll use to ensure that you're accountable, reachable, and productive. Some of the tools I've used include things like Slack, Basecamp, Skype, GoToMeeting, Zoom, Loom, Screencast-O-Matic, Harvest, and of course, text and email. Also, propose a set of metrics that define the success or failure of this arrangement. Focus on the things that matter most to your employer based on their likely objections and hone in on those. Provide a suggested course of action should a failure point be breached. It could involve a different tool, a different time frame, or a different time of day. Account for possible setbacks and be ready with a course correction if needed. And be specific with your claims. For example, I'll get more of X done per day per week. I'll have X ready before X o'clock. There will be no drop in productivity and I won't be any less reachable. Identify all the tasks that you perform in your role and outline how and when they'll be executed in a remote situation. Perhaps because you'll no longer commute, you'll be able to deliver a regular task earlier than usual, like a weekly report, for example. If possible, record a short video with your phone showing where you will work and why it will improve your productivity and your commitment to the business. 
And finally, we get to step five, which is, I'll just go back on the, the previous ones. We had getting clear on the objectives, uh, gathering evidence to support your case, giving your employer the necessary assurances, showing them how you will work. And number five is to draft a letter requesting a trial. This is where it all comes together. Craft your proposal as a compelling offer, much like you would do to a client or a prospect. The purpose of this letter is threefold. Number one, it shows you're taking this seriously. Number two, it demonstrates respect for their concerns. And three, it formalizes an undertaking and paves the way for an ongoing arrangement should it be successful. Understand that working remotely isn't as unusual as you might think. 50 years ago, change happened slowly. Today, the ratchets of social media, blogs and podcasts, all thanks to the internet, are making change happen a lot faster. If you dream of escaping the cubicle, well, there's never been a better time. Do it today and I guarantee your life will thank you. Anyway, that's it for me for this week. Uh, This particular episode has a number of useful links. If you go to the blog post that goes along with this, um, some useful links there that uh, you should follow to get a better understanding of the things that we've talked about in this episode. So go to officeanywhere.co slash 87 and you'll be able to read the post and access the links that go along with this. The things we've discussed in this episode are available in a much more comprehensive downloadable, which you can get for free at officeanywhere.co. Just go straight to the homepage. You'll see a link there at the top. Um, It's the Work Anywhere Trial Guide, Six Steps to Working and Living on Your Terms. Go there, give us your email address, and we'll email it straight to you. And it'll be a huge help in laying the groundwork for pitching your boss on letting you work remotely. Anyway, until next week, thanks for hanging out with me on the Office Anywhere podcast. And uh, until we speak again, here's to working and living on your terms. I'll catch you then. See ya.